fissured, parchment-like skin, ah! shiny, crinkled, cellophane paper-like ah! skin, or asymptomatic, hyperpigmented macules. Ah! Like, I could not be the most unpleasant description to my ears. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Chemist Confessions podcast, a human conversation on all the skincare science we talk about on the daily. Um, I'm Victoria. And I'm Gloria. And Gloria, today, what are we talking about? Today, we are talking about <laughs> seasonal skincare. Ooh. More specifically, summer, summer skincare. Yeah. And what's really bizarre is, um, for those of you who don't know, we're based in LA. Mm. LA's been really cool. Summer has not been summer. Yeah. And LA people are not themselves right now. <laughs> yeah. And I realized that complaining about the weather in LA is probably the worst offense. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a first world problem to have. It's been a little chilly. So that's why the summer episode has been a little slow to come out. But we're doing it. It's finally sunny and mm -hmm. it's all about summer skincare. But before we get into it, let's start on some nice words. All right. First one is about our baby steps exfoliation treatment. The title is Baby Steps Are Still Steps Forward. I love it. So thank you guys for the very creative title. So this person writes, I've been working on my skin barrier and needed an exfoliating step that didn't ravage my hard work. I use it once a week as a 10 minute mask and it doesn't sting slash burn. Just makes my skin look awesome the next day. If you don't believe me, give it a try. You know you love all the CC products, so go get a refill on your faves and get the free mini trial with your purchase. You'll be glad you did. Wow, amazing. I promise this is not our <laughs> no, friend nor our husband. This person. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, I think it's great. Baby Steps is designed for yeah. the beginner and those who <laughs> may have a sensitivity to yeah. HAs or have been hopefully not literally that have been burned before um it is it contains 30 percent gluconolactone that is a pha mm -hmm. and 15 percent lactic acid and my favorite way to use this is also as a rinse off mask yeah. but this can also be used as, uh, as a mix and booster yeah so just your aha journey should be yours and i love this yeah but otherwise we're gonna move on to our next review this is on voyage <laughs> The title is In Chemist We Trust. Thank you. This person wrote, I was really nervous to try a petroleum step in my acneic skin. I used this as a final step in my routine in the evening and have loved the results. It feels lovely going on. I feel like I'm doing something so protective and restoring for my skin as I sleep. I find all kinds of ways to use this product. I apply it <laughs> as a little heavier under my mm. eyes and the hydration has been improving the looks under of my under eye. I use it on my cuticles, I use it as a chapstick, and on my dry elbows. Trust, this stuff is high quality and nourishing. Yay, amazing. Yay! And I do want to clarify, she does write petroleum, but it uses petrolatum. And uh, so not gasoline. But other than that, I think she captures everything we wanted mm. in Bon Voyage and being able to, we always tell people, get creative with this balm. And she definitely does that. 
Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. I think yeah. that's really it. Yeah, and I love that this is coming from the perspective of someone with oily skin. Mm -hmm. We do always say that occlusives and oils totally. can be good for oily skin too. It is about finding the right one and also finding ways to use it so your skin can take advantage of it. So Absolutely. All right. Last but not least, uh, we got to talk about Mr. Reliable 2.0. As always, the title is exactly what I have been looking for. And this person writes, lightweight, feels good on the skin, wears nicely throughout the day. Love it. Already replanning on repurchasing when I run out. I really love mixing it with gold standard a few times a week for quick and easy exfoliation. Woo! Yay. Not much to say. This is one of our fan favorites and one of our biggest struggle <laughs> in <laughs> developing our line to date to date yeah. there in, will be more i'm sure <laughs> it, it always feel like when we're developing this product we a lot of times victoria and i talked about talk about concepts mm -hmm. or ingredients that we're really impressed by that mm -hmm. we really want to incorporate and then we start formulating we're like we can figure it out yeah and doing this product really felt like that meme where some guy was like putting the stick in his bicycle and tripped over like <laughs> kind of like oh i wanted all the actors what could go wrong oh, oh why is it so hard and then you reach the finish line you're like let me just shoot my foot real quick <laughs> <laughs> but we're so glad this is finally done yeah. and out there and at a place that we can probably say we did it <laughs> yeah and i also love that she uses our gold standard mm -hmm. to boost it for a few nights um, with um, some AHA, so I thought that was really cool. But otherwise, I definitely want to recommend everyone to please like take a look at all the reviews for yourself. These people actually include their skin types, their routines, and even their age, which is incredibly helpful and we just mm -hmm. think makes the reviews even more meaningful. Like we said before, we don't incentivize these. We're very proud of all of them, um, so we hope that it just uh, you guys can use this as like just further assistance in your skincare journey. But otherwise, Chemist Coin? Yes. So <laughs> if you are curious about the line, please use the coupon code Chemist Coin for $5 off. Not an NFT, guys. Not an Nor NFT. Nor Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, but cold Nor hard $5 cash. <laughs> um, there's no minimum purchase requirements. So if you want to give the line a whirl and try our experiment kit. You can enjoy $5 off that as well. So yeah, check out our line on our website, but it's time to get into the meat. Because meats. We have the <laughs> meat. All right, summer routine time. I'll be honest, guys. Routine topics are kind of tough for us sometimes because mm. it is a little personal. Mm. So because I told Victoria, I volunteered. I was like, I got this. And then when I start writing or like putting this episode together, I'm like, I don't got this. <laughs> I have no Let idea what to write. Friend. <laughs> exactly. So I phoned all of y'all. Uh, I did a series of polls yeah. on Instagram to so see. It's really fun. Yeah, it's actually fascinating because I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Sometimes when we pull the people, I'm like, I know what people are gonna like, but this <laughs> I have no idea. So first off, I asked. Do you change up your routine for summer? Mm. And what's interesting is about half of you, 54% of you said yes, just a few tweaks. And a good third of you said, nah, my routine is pretty consistent. And only 8% of you say major overhaul needed, which I'm like, that's great. You really don't need to completely nuke your routine between seasons. Yeah. Though I do think a lot of the publications uh, out there are still make it sound yep. like and you, marketing yes yeah. for sure yeah. 
So I think that's great. Where did you fall? I am in that pretty consistent bucket. Okay. Yeah, and I'm the one that's just a few tweaks. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we fit the poll as well. Yeah, and then I followed that up with, if you do tweak your routine during the summer, what step mm. do you uh, change up? Mm-hmm. And this one wasn't as uh, as surprising to mm-hmm. me. Only three percent of y'all change up your cleanser routine, mm. which I find really interesting because. Yeah, if you think about a clean skin is a clean skin, like there's no changes needed. Yeah. But I did see a lot of articles out there that's like the perfect summer cleanser. Like, <laughs> it's a cleanser that works a good cleanser year round. <laughs> good point. Vast majority of you change up the moisturizer step, and I suspect this is where Victoria falls in as well. So I think if I had. If I could have two, it would have funny enough would be cleanser and moisturizer. Mm-hmm. Um, moisturizer, definitely. I would have chosen that one. But cleanser because during summer, the sunscreen use is so heavy That's that I true. do feel like skin gets so congested that it's actually, weirdly enough, the time I would double cleanse, which I feel like is the opposite of what dry skin people do, which is they'd rather do probably the cleansing oil, cleansing mm-hmm. balms during the winter mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know i yeah that was the only thing which is a little odd but it's just after the sunscreen challenge i've never more realized that i should start looking into those guys bless victoria she volunteered <laughs> her skin for some very tinted n- little Tintins. heavy hand y'all kick my skin okay. y'all kick my skin's ass <laughs> <laughs> about 12 percent of you said you will tweak up your active game yeah. good 20 percent of you said other or nothing at mm. all and the people that fall in this bucket most of the dms i got about mm. this is nah, nothing you wouldn't change your routine <laughs> somewhere so yeah let's dive right into it we kind of want to touch on these steps why you might consider totally. changing it during the hotter month and also if there's any science around this totally so first things first we got to talk about step one which is cleanser and like gloria kind of hinted at you really, if you have a good one, you really don't need to change too much here. Yeah. But like Victor, as Victor was telling uh, us about her journey mm. with foring into double cleansing, which I know she doesn't like doing because of the tinted sunscreen. And you have to do it's an extra step. Yeah. For me, this is like kind of a lifestyle thing if there's any changes at all. Because yeah. during the summer, I tend to be outside a lot more, sometimes go on hikes, which is more active in general. Something about going on hiking dusty away make you feel extra gross. (laughs) And that is when I find myself like being very rigorous with cleansing afterwards. for sure. And also, uh, uh, this is going off tangent, but in my journey of double cleansing, Mm -hmm. I know bombs are meant to be like travel friendly, but in terms of like regular lifestyle, I find them to be not as... Um, or I guess more cumbersome than oils yeah. because you're usually double cleansing at night, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm usually double cleansing when I'm showering. Mm-hmm. And when you have to open a balm in a shower, it doesn't <laughs> feel great. And then like you have to get a spoon mm-hmm. or your hands that are wet. And mm-hmm. I just feel like there's something about the cleansing balm that's just not as friendly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I know like most balms have more of a residue yeah. than even oil cleansers, yeah. which Victoria loves. <laughs> <laughs> and by love, she means really doesn't like, yeah. So the second step of cleansing with Blink Slate is like extra vigorous. Yep, yep. Yeah. 
the aggression definitely comes in. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably not a good thing. Yeah. If you remember our cleansing topic last time. But yes. Yeah. So if you're looking for a great cleanser, definitely check out our cleanser episode or our cleanser blog yeah. post. This is not some a category I would really think you need to shop seasonally mm. for, but might just tweak up based on situational. Totally. All right. Step two moisturizer and this is probably the biggest focus during yeah. summer the real meat of yeah. the episode yeah um you get a lot of articles that come out talking about how oh yeah. like this is a re- refreshing moisturizer <laughs> just for the summer month yeah. and all this focus is on i think more watery hydration rather than a hardcore moisturizer mm-hmm. so first things first i got really curious about how Obviously, when the weather is um, is different, it's hotter, maybe more humid, depending on where you're at, the sun is out, is your skin actually different? Mm. And um, I looked up a bunch of studies and found this kind of interesting um, analysis that was done in Europe. They tracked 25 female subjects, so not a large study, but still gave us some interesting insights. Mm-hmm. They evaluated their legs uh, first in, during winter and again during summer of mm-hmm. the exact same subject. So it's one of the few studies I could find that tracked the same people and not uh, not like a large cohort of survey-based studies. Mm-hmm. Barrier functions was determined by measuring transepidermal water loss or tool, and skin hydration and dryness were evaluated by corneometer. Mm-hmm. To do and visual grading was also done. What was really interesting is they also sampled the stratum corneum and did like a chemical analysis on mm-hmm. the composition thereof. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, the quick takeaway that I find really interesting is this is not super surprising to me, but skin is definitely the the SC is definitely going through more during winter. You tend to be drier. And um, what's interesting to me is they also looked at inflammation markers and your skin tends to be more inflamed yep. during winter as well. Yep. And what was really interesting is this, is this isn't just reflected in higher transepidermal water loss mm-hmm. or lower skin hydration. Mm-hmm. Your skin lipids is actually also a little different between mm-hmm. the seasons. Totally. And I find that it's... Now, I, I do think people's reaction toward this may be like, does that mean I need to think about the lipid ratio mm-hmm. differently in winter and summer? It's, and I, we would definitely say no, you know, this is more of just your skin adapting to different climates. And mm-hmm. if you can refer back to our skin barrier episode a couple episodes ago, where we kind of talked about how your skin is constantly modifying based mm-hmm. on climate and even humidity. And because of that, I think if you remember, we talked about how like your skin can actually be fooled into um, a certain amount of evaporation and water loss because of the change in humidity in these kind of like climate environments. So anyways, that's just something for people to understand is just the nature of skin and skin's ability to adapt. Because as much as we do treat skin like this very fragile thing that needs to be constantly pampered and cocooned. It is an organ. It's living and has the ability to adapt, you know, as necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I also love that this analysis kind of gives uh, gives it a little bit more weight of the notion yeah. that during winter you need that more protective moisturizer. Yeah. Whereas summer, you can maybe, depending on your skin situation, you can ease off and use, generally speaking, a lighter moisturizer. Which is what I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. So, I mean, on top of that, we did 
Gora also found a study, quite a tiny one that was done in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And they just wanted to see what would basically happen if you cut moisturizers out of your life entirely for and what skin would do. And I did really want to touch on this just a little bit. Just because um, what the study did was they took um, subjects of various ages and had them stop moisturizers completely and then see basically the idea is how long would it take skin to adapt? And so, you know, kind of on the topic of adaptation, they found that it took roughly about three weeks to a month for the skin to recover. And the reason why we wanted to share this data point is not necessarily to say that does that mean I don't need a moisturizer? Not, No, not necessarily. The idea is that if you are someone that is going through maybe some skin changes, some dryness, mm-hmm. um, suddenly your skin barrier doesn't seem to be super happy, this one-month framework is a good time uh, allotment to give your skin to fully kind of adjust to whatever you're doing in your skincare routine or even just giving it time to kind of uh, adapt to those changes which I feel like is why when we when people travel then it's people suddenly are feeling like oh my god my skin is not happy and has not been happy for the entirety of the trip yeah and unfortunately it is what it is and yeah. it does happen and I think this is also an angle you can look at you think about how long does it take for yeah. you to evaluate if yeah. a moisturizer is right for your skin I will say in the study something else that's Kind of interesting and not surprising is that when uh, these study subjects went cold turkey on their moisturizer, people who are younger recover a lot faster from that initial shock and dryness. Symptoms tend to be milder than older um, people. So if you feel like your skin is having a harder time adjusting to seasons, to traveling, it's probably not your imagination. (laughs) It does happen. And all I have to say is, you know, like during summer, if if you are experiencing these changes, Mm -hmm. just kind of keep calm. It is not time to completely toss out your moisturizer. So say it's going to winter and it's drier, then yeah, you can maybe consider adding an oil or a balm to kind of help it transition a little bit. Or during summer, if your skin is a little oilier, keep calm and just, you know, light tweaks. Yeah, I I would say for oily skin, one thing I... And I think Gordon will talk about this later, but it's like usually I need to dial back. Mm -hmm. And so in the most humid of climates, I can actually get away with just using a humectant forward product. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the way to think about it is just you're just dialing it back ever so slightly. You're not completely nuking your moisturizer routine. Right. And um, since skin barrier is doing, generally speaking, a little bit better during summer. And of course, the study just that we just mentioned talked about skin natural recovery even if you go cold turkey on moisturizer there are still going to be a few people that's like well maybe i don't need one during summer (laughs) and we also found a few studies to kind of suggest counterpoints on that yeah definitely so i think gloria found this study that was done in japan Mm -hmm. um is about 44 subjects so they wanted to use a they call it pseudoceramide which Gloria and I don't know what to do yeah. with that, but we're going <laughs> to cool. move on. But anyways, it's a specific moisturizer with pseudoceramide and eucalyptus extract for Japanese patients. But the focus here is not necessarily that it's about this combination, but it's about the test they conducted mm-hmm. um, where they wanted to look at skin that either used this formula versus didn't use this formula. 
through summer months mm-hmm. and uh, see basically what skin would do. And the results are actually pretty interesting. Yeah. So without in, during summer in Japan, the weather tends to be pretty hot and humid. <laughs> And the subject did show an improvement even without moisturizer. It's yeah. just the natural uh, natural reaction to this type of environment. Yeah. But it did show that with the um with the cream, erythema echinus were uh, were significantly improved only in the treated group. Mm-hmm. So you can think of it as you know in terms of your humectants occlusive, like the core functionality of a moisturizer is like it's there. It will help but your skin is naturally already better. But kind of the frills of everything else, like the, your barrier helpers, your um, ceramides, those things kind of, uh, those things are, play a more important role to help your skin stay on top of it when you get to the fall season as well. I also thought it was interesting because they did a skin hydration, so they did a tool on mm. the forearm. They also saw that, you know, only with the treated group did it increase significantly. Yeah. So I almost felt like, the, the summary here was that in summer months, skin fares better with dry skin. Yeah. But if you still want to tackle the kind of core issues of dry skin, you still need a moisturizer. Yeah. That was kind of like my takeaway. And yeah. the reason why is because they talk about, you know, without without application, scaling and dryness still improve. But how they assess that is actually a visual assessment. Uh. I kind of like went, kind of looked into it more and... It's usually done by, you know, an expert grader and we'll show the scale here of what this visual assessment of skin dryness looks like. And it's basically like flaking. You're Mm -hmm. looking at scaling, flaking, and you just want to see less of that kind of like that visual look. But I feel like the tool measurement is what Gloria and I still really value here. Mm -hmm. So it's again, it's saying that, you know, moisturizers during summer can be helpful, but there is... Definitely, it's normal for people to feel like they don't need it during the summer, especially in humid climates. Yeah. So to sum up, immediate hydration need might not be as high, yeah. but barrier care needs stay consistent throughout. Totally. Summer. Yep. Great. Cool. All right. So we should do a quick with all of that data. We should do a really quick refresher on you know the balance of humectants, emollients, inclusives, and what we do. Yeah, so to kind of quickly refresh everyone's minds on the constituents of a yeah. moisturizer, you have your humectants. Mm-hmm. These are the water stuff. Think panthenol, uh, glycerin, hyaluronic acid, beta-glucan, even lactic acid at low levels is considered a humectant. Sodium PCA, NMFs, yep. So um, check out our blog post for kind of a, a more detailed rundown of the humectants. And what they do is they act as water grabbers. Um, the top layer of your skin is mostly a crunchy beef volunteer it is dry but you don't want it to be crunchy no so the water substance help make it pliable and the presence of water also help improve and upkeep your cell function which is to say it will turn over at a much more normal pace mm-hmm. um and that's humectants next we have emollients yeah so emollients these are your light face oils they are going to smooth the surface of skin they're going to help like honestly just visually make your skin look less scaly and mm-hmm. add that glow back into skin and really these can serve these can be especially helpful for oily skin types even though the thought of oil sounds scary 
because these actually can serve as almost like a lighter version of occlusives to kind of add a little bit of that oily nourishment back into skin. Um, it can be incredibly helpful because remember, Humectants cannot operate alone because these want to evaporate out of skin. So you need something that's going to really help with managing all of that water content. Yep. Last but definitely not least, we have occlusives. And these are your more hardcore butters, waxes, petrolatum, mm -hmm. heavier substances that can help, uh, that can actually improve tool. Yep. They're there to seal in moisture, yep. prevent water evaporation. Uh, heavier molecular weight dimethicone can also function like mm -hmm. this. And this is definitely one category I feel like that gets tossed under the bus immediately during summer month because the higher the water, yeah. uh, the uh, waxy substances, it, moisturizers can feel a little heavy. Mm -hmm. But I will say as someone with dry skin, this is still a category I cannot go without even during summer. Yeah, it's also, I mean, yes, it doesn't necessarily feel great in mm -hmm. hotter climates, but especially for chap skin, lips, elbow, like my elbow is so dry right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need inclusive. So yes, um, still necessary and helpful during summer. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So I guess to sum up the moisturizer section, Toriel, what do you do <laughs> during summer? Everything stays the same. Okay. So I typically am using a humectant serum in uh which is our aquafix and our moisturizer mr reliable that's usually my staple but in the summer months and especially if we're traveling to mm -hmm. asia i usually just only need aquafix and i am good mm -hmm. recently now that i'm breaking out like a teenager because of the pregnancy hormones i only need aquafix like day in and day out and that's it so mm -hmm. that's my life right now and that's really the only changes i'm going through with my moisturizer routine yeah so victoria takes a uh, classic approach of really dialing back close to zero on the occlusives and pretty volumes. much yeah me i am more or less pretty consistent mm -hmm. my typical routine is aquafix followed by mr reliable both morning and night obviously morning i'll follow with sunscreen but during summer I tend not to need the frill stuffs. Mm -hmm. Like during winter, that's still my staple. Yeah. But depend, uh, depending on my mood, I typically add a drop or two of the oil. Yeah. I almost always need to use the balm around mm -hmm. places where I tend to develop drier patches. Mm -hmm. During summer, I can be a little bit floofy about when I need that occlusive. Um, I was going to ask, do you slug during summer? I don't slug. Okay. I think that's a little heavy-handed. At okay. least I just don't love the texture. Okay. Uh, and I, I do tend to, I, I typically don't develop dry patches during, um, during summer. Yeah. For me, it's actually sensitivity. Mm. So if I'm out in the sun for a really long time, yes, I've tried to be good with reapplication, <laughs> wear a hat, the works. But sometimes when you're out for a long time and you're sweaty, reapplication yeah. isn't great. That's true. Sometimes I still get that flush afterwards totally. and i feel like something about beaches tend to like it feels terrible on the skin afterwards totally and uh i know we're or um, this is jumping ahead but i would say probably one of the main reasons why i dial back so much of that oil content is because we're sunscreening and i yeah. just feel like the sunscreens add enough Oily oil for enough. me yeah 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 for real and so for me uh if i have the sensitivity patches that's where the occlusives come in yeah. but otherwise lightweight moisturizers will do the job for me yeah totally i would also say this is probably for those of you um looking at toners and like mm -hmm. milky essences 
this is where some of those steps can be enough. I think the milky essence is more than, you know, the water, just straight water stuff. But yeah, that was just one thing I, I wanted to add, especially because it looks like milky essences are very popular right You're now. Thing. And I will say, <laughs> as someone with dry skin, those don't do it for me. I think no. I think that there's a misconception that people with dry skin love heavy, greasy textures. That yeah. is, at least for me, that is so not true. I still yeah. like light, refreshing, yeah. yet nourishing textures. And I feel like these milky essences, sometimes like... They're just milky. That doesn't mean yeah. they're more hydrating. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of the formulas we've seen are really light, even light on the humectant. So yeah. it definitely doesn't replace your standard moisturizer. Totally, totally. And of course, one last PSA announcement for sunscreen. Just should, do it. Yeah, it's summer. You know you have to do it. But yeah. other than that, I this Yeah, this is it for meat part one. And in meat part two, we are going to dive into actives and oh other fancier stuff during summer but we need a break let's take a break all right let's break 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 it up 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 all right cool today okay all right today it's Gloria's turn we have Badger, 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 You know, I don't think anybody knows this reference anymore. No, if you know the badger, badger thing, please let us know so we don't feel sad. Please, please write to us. Oh God, that's the OG interwebs, my friend. Oh God. Okay. Yes, badgers. You might have heard of badgers before because we shared a story about a badger breaking out of a zoo. And oh, how yeah. that zookeeper just oh, yeah. had such a hard time keeping that dude in. Stoffel, the honey badger. Right. And that was yeah. the one that they tried to get a mate for it to distract it. And then they teamed up together to break out. Yeah, he will climb on her back <laughs> to break out of the zoo. Like they will roll like little rocks to make a ladder. And so smart. Anyway, badgers are back, though. Badgers are back. This time it's about the European badger. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> we had Clarkson's farm on the other day. And Fascinating show if you're curious about farming. Yeah, it's it's a deep rabbit hole on things that you don't typically think about mm -hmm. and super interesting. And something we learned about the show is badgers in the UK are in that gold tier protection status. <laughs> you can get you can go to jail for hurting mm -hmm. a badger. Twelve months. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. So it's it's even though the population is has really bounced back since putting that in place, it's on the least concerned tier uh, in terms of species conservation, but the um, protection around it stays. Yeah. But yeah, so backtrack a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about what these animals are all about. I find their <laughs> scientific name to be kind of cute. Yeah. Uh, the all, Badger is a huge category of animals you'll find all over the world. But the European badger's scientific name is Melis, 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 melis. I was thinking of the dessert, mellow, mellow. Yeah, yeah, it sounds delicious. Uh, but also, melee, melee, which is also scary because badgers are mean. Yeah, badgers are mean mofos. <laughs> and I think what's kind of interesting to me is that it has a different genus name than all these other badgers I've seen. I don't oh, know why. Interesting. Because I am not a specialist in badgers. So, anyway. Okay. Uh, they're generally speaking nocturnal. Okay. Uh, they're very social. They usually they they do hibernate in winter. They uh, travel around and hang out in groups of six to up to twenty. So very 
family-oriented oh, wow. creatures. They it's interesting because they're known to be pretty mean creatures, yeah. but when it comes to their homes, like their burrows, they make these very sophisticated tunnels. They're altruistic. They don't really mind if you hang on their home. So a lot of times you can actually find rabbits and sometimes even foxes showing up and they what? don't care. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is it do you think it's specifically this type of badger? I think it's very okay. uh specialized to European badgers because honey badgers will F you up. Yeah, I was like, I don't think those guys share. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah, but these are pretty um pretty chill. Yeah. They're classified as omni uh, as carnivores, uh-huh. but they really eat anything. They'll okay. eat berries and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. They are also what I find really fascinating about the badgers is they're also super vocal. Mm. They have they make a huge range of sounds. Okay. Um, I, I read the description first. They're like, oh, they chatter, they they growl, and they even bark. I was oh. like, bark. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked it up and I put it up here to the link for those who are curious yeah and one of the youtube comments i find so accurate is they're like they sound like my cat when i'm trying to pry the chicken bone out of her mouth really? yeah so it's like <laughs> and then they also make a, like really like chirpy kind chirpy. of sound. and when they're Screechy in the group sound. yeah they're like it sounds like they're bickering all the time they're um, just very very chattery creatures okay okay so very social mm-hmm. in the uk hanging out okay adorable and obviously a lot of people love the badger they think european badger is like kind of this unique it's native it's native it's we have to protect the badger it's our spirit animal before we dive into it i just want to say it's not like we're here saying yeah like f the badgers (laughs) but they are a problem because they carry bovine tuberculosis yes and it is a very costly problem yeah but and that is the reason why that's not great is because uk agriculture has already suffered due to brexit and so if you ever watch the show um they kind of go through how painful it is and actually how much money is spent and how debilitating it can be to these farmers when badgers pass tb to their cows And so uh, one of the craziest parts is taxpayers do have to pay for badger care, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And the amount per year is 150 million pounds. Crazy. Which is a substantial amount. So this they have a badger problem, but it's protected. And so it's just another one of those species like the pigs. Yeah. They're just... Yeah, not not great for actual agriculture. It just sounds like virtually there's nothing, nothing people no. can do about this. No. And if your cow catches yeah. bovine TB, unfortunately, it has to go. And there are farms that up to like 50% of their cows have, uh, have caught it. And because badgers are such good burrowers, there's nothing the farmers can do to stop them from getting into the farms. Oh, you can't, you can't, um, they're actual badger holes are pretend that's weird badger. <laughs> that's really weird <laughs> all right all right badger housing <laughs> cannot be touched yeah which that to me i find like a little absurd okay anyway. the badger holes are protected 
all the holes. Just, uh, <laughs> that to me is so absurd because I'm like, I can't understand. Like, you okay, it's protected. You can't, you can't kill it. You can't harm it. Fine. You it's can't also harm forty thousand pounds if a uh, fine if you kill per badger. Yeah. So fine, don't kill the badgers, but there has to be a way to prevent them from getting your farm, right? Nope, because you can't harm its habitat. Yeah. You can't prevent them from burrowing. They in your drink farm. your cow's water. Yeah, because why wouldn't they come for a free water <laughs> source? So it just feels like when it comes to badgers, hands are tied, and there's yeah. nothing they can do. Yeah. And in the um 2010s, England did try to pilot um culling programs mm. to to kind of ease the the yeah. bovine um tb problem yeah. and it was very controversial because conservation groups were very unhappy with that decision mm-hmm. and it showed that in those towns it did help mm-hmm. there was one town where it didn't help and i didn't i couldn't really understand why it was that the difference was like 10 percent or something mm-hmm. in other cases the um the problem decreased by more than 60 percent mm-hmm. And of course, like depending on what I want you read, some people will say these programs don't do anything. And then some places are like, uh, it showed that it helps. So yeah. it's very, very controversial. And they even talked about developing a vaccine oh. for both your cows and um that would be great. And um, the badgers, even though I'm like, I don't know who's vaccinating that badger, <laughs> but that badger don't look like it wants to be vaccinated. <laughs> but I did find a stat that's super interesting. Because the problem with vaccines is that you have to vaccinate enough yes, animals for it to work. For it to work, Great. and that is just not something that it seems like it's possible. Mm. Uh, also, I can't imagine. A, um, let's say civilian perception mm-hmm. of cows they eat being vaccinated feeling very good. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. There's like there's so much of this that's like that's controversial, yeah. and there isn't a good solution. Yeah. So in vaccination, so they actually did come up. They licensed a vaccine for badgers specifically called Badger BCG. The vaccine, <laughs> but the vaccine is only effective on animals that do not already have the disease. Uh, so if you find a badger in the wild so you're if you think about it, there's a, let's say there's a hundred badgers i don't know how many of them have tb already yeah if you find it you can't harm it right so first of all it's like okay what do you have to do like what tag a badger test it for tb <laughs> oh no it has tb you have to go by and find the same badger <laughs> and it just it there's no good way to do it yeah and the cost of the vaccine is also not not cheap. not cheap at all. They actually did it by surface area because obviously there's so many badgers sure. out there. They can't possibly vaccinate all of them. Kind of did a calculation and said that for this to be effective, you're talking about 2,000 pounds per kilometer square per year. Oh, my God. And of course, that's taxpayer dollar. Yeah. Uh, so these programs are... They're, they're funding behind these programs, which just doesn't seem like it's really solving the problem. So, yeah, that's where we are right now with badgers and legislation and archaic legislation. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think for me, it's like, oh, like as an animal lover, of course, you don't want the solution to mm. be calling a species at all. And I think the uh, similar thing, not sim- not quite similar, but in Australia, that's happened before, too, where they protect their native species and when that's gone, 
we're right. all too well like and then the population of certain species go crazy and they actually have to kind of like deer population in the northeast mm-hmm. there's actually a decrease in interest in hunting yep and there are places where deers are deer destri- destroying the habitat because yep. of how many there are and they actually couldn't get enough people to take up these hunting licenses yep. so it's like kind of a balance of everything yeah everything in moderation and understand that when one population rises usually that means other populations fall and also natural foliage things like that so you know it's it's all about really maintaining than like mm-hmm. you know saying that we have to get rid of this entire animal group exactly yeah. so um, Good luck. <laughs> I don't know what. There's no conclusion. This Insert is her cute badger face here. Yeah. Like, ooh, ooh. So to end up this now, just badger, 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 badger. And that is how fast they reproduce as well. <laughs> All right. Yay. 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 Oh, rough. But anyways. Thank you for yeah, the badger. That's the European badger problem. <laughs> All right. So now it's time to get back into the meat. Meat part two. Let's do it. And oh, it's all right. about actives. Yep. Uh, I didn't pull on every types of actives, but I did pull <laughs> on retinoids, which is probably the yeah. first thing. Yeah, for sure. If you read the online journals, they usually talk about this during summer. Yep. Um, so I asked the people if they use retinoids during summer. Mm-hmm. And the choices are state the course. Yes, by up in strength, definitely not. And retinoids not really part of my routine anyway. Yeah, fascinatingly, only ten percent of you said retinoids not part of um part of your routine. So definitely lots of retinal lovers mm-hmm. out there. Only seven percent said definitely not. Ten percent said yes, by dial down in strength, and a whopping about three quarters of you said yeah, I just stayed the course. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's. Honestly, no reason to not use retinol during summer. For sure. I was just going to ask, like, or not even ask. I was going to add that I'm pretty sure there is no, like, acne skin type out there that's giving up their retinoids during the summer. Oh, yeah. No way. No way in hell. Yeah. Um, and usually we say, yeah, stay the course. Dial down in strength if you need. Especially yes. for people like me, I already have enough trouble. My skin's not super duper retinal tolerant. And let's say if I'm going, you know, again, like hiking, going by the beach, or yeah. I'm doing whatever that makes my skin feel a little bit more sensey than sure. usual, then I feel like I don't need to punch up. For sure. But I will say that is that the takeaway from retinal talk is really just sunscreen, guys. Sunscreen, yeah. just do it. Yeah, for sure. There are a few scenarios here that maybe you can think about tweaking actives and kind of like you were saying mm-hmm. with sensitive skin, this is probably the one area where summer it's just like you're sweating more, yeah. you're pu- you're applying sunscreen, um, you're probably getting a lot more sun. This mm-hmm. would probably be a time where it makes sense to dial back yeah. a little bit. I was also going to add, this is probably, summer is probably a period where it's probably not the best idea to start a retinoid. That's true, yeah. Just because I think that um, your skin's about to go through a lot, and Mm. then you're going to need to sunscreen more frequently. You're going to have an onboarding period where you're going to deal with dryness and flakiness. Mm. And I would say summer is probably a weird time to kind of wrangle all Mm. that in when you're kind of out and about. You're also, yeah, I don't know. That's... That's generally my advice. Yeah. And I also think now there's a lot of articles out there to talk about can you use yeah. retinol 
during the day. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that's like, yeah, there's it's totally fine. There's no reason to not to yeah. do it. Like mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Technically, that's true. Yeah. You can use it during the day. Again, like keep up with your sunscreen habits. Yeah. For me, where I kind of draw a, a, a thin line is, I think there's nothing wrong with using it during the day. People should also be realistic with their sunscreen habits in yeah. general when you're on retinol. Yeah. Uh, retinol is an ingredient that works once if you use once a day. There isn't a lot of need for you to double have up. to double up and use a day mm-hmm. and night. But I feel like the some of the articles, their tone is almost like very casual. No, oh, very cavalier. Like, yeah, of course. Whatever. There's no difference between that and a peptide. Yeah, exactly. Just use it whenever. Just still know that your mm-hmm. skin is a little bit more sunsensy. And you should absolutely be protecting from the sun. If nothing else, even if it doesn't cause additional sensitization, yeah. why would you neg out retinal's hard work by not protecting yourself from the sun? Have we hit that cycle where it's like, oh, use whatever active you want? Because yeah. I felt like maybe six months ago, we we're like, too many actives, bad for skin, mass sensitivity. And then now we're back to, oh, use yeah. whatever the hell you want. More yeah. than Mary. Yeah. Pummel, oh, great. Pummel okay. your skin with retinol. It's awesome. Okay, we've hit that cycle again. <laughs> yep. And yeah. the other pretty common and can be aggressive active ingredient we want to talk about is glycolic acid. Mm. That one to me was really fascinating because for me, the immediate thought is like, well... For, I personally really enjoy good exfoliant during summer, mm-hmm. especially just like sometimes like when totally you're outside for a long time, you feel extra grimy. Yes. And I was curious. And again, I looked up, is there any statistical difference between skin during hotter month versus colder month? Oh, okay, cool. And I did find one study. It's, it is small. So I'll take this with a grain of thought, uh, salt. <laughs> thought. <laughs> thought. <laughs> Hang it with a grain of salt. <laughs> But it is reported that desquamation, which is the rate at which your skin turns over, is greater in summer during winter. Mm-hmm. So there is great individual variability in these data. And this mm-hmm. is not surprising. Rest, uh, rates of desquamation is faster in younger than older individuals. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, we know that. But this is uh, interesting to me because I do think even though I enjoy um, a good exfoliant during summer... There's definitely a risk to over exfoliating. Yeah. There's you don't have to dial back AHAs during summer, but again, read the read read the I almost want to make a hipstone lie reference, but basically read the signs of your skin. Mm. If it's feeling if, if you're staying coarse with your typical uh, routine and it's feeling just a little sensey, listen to it. You might not need to do it as aggressively or as frequently. Just yeah, that's it. And also I think it, it's a fine balance during summer, right? Like mm-hmm. If you start exfoliating too much, your sensitivity to sun also increases, which means your sunscreen needs to be muy, like put a lot more into that effort. So it's just really a fine balance, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I think it's easy. I think it's easy, especially during summer, to want to over exfoliate because you're grimy, sweaty, too much sun. You're probably also tackling like a little bit of pigmentation and that's like one quick way to kind of like brighten skin really quickly. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just feel like, yeah, that's one habit that I could see happen a lot. Yeah. My personal confession is like I don't use more AHAs during summer, mm-hmm. but I use a lot more physical exfoliants. Uh, yeah. Exactly as Victoria said, it's like that desire to just 
aggressively summer gross skin cells yeah exactly yeah. uh you can absolutely overdo either category so just um just keep an eye on it yeah totally all right we should definitely talk about hyperpigmentation during summer for those of you that have been trying to tackle hyperpigmentation it's a marathon it is not something that is solved realistically it's not really even something that's going to be solved in even two months the time period requires you know much longer like even six months and so you're definitely going to make your way into summer now should you be changing up those actives not necessarily but i think also it's important to manage expectations during summer time period because you are getting more sun so it may feel like you're not seeing a lot of benefit using mm-hmm. your actives during this period, but we would just say stay the course and make sure your sunscreen habit is there too. Yeah, exactly it. I think people are constantly expecting to see improvement. Yeah. Well, pigmentation is already a difficult problem. During summer... Stubborn yeah, if. Yeah, you're dealing with a lot. So I would say summer... Stay in the course, and if you see it being static, that's actually a good thing. Yeah, actually. Sun is a no-brainer here. It's a big factor in terms of making your hyperpigmentation Mm. worse. But I also did find that uh, other stuff also contribute to the hyperpigmentation problem. (laughs) I found this in a study done in India Mm. that talked about sweat-induced inflammation and irritation. Oh, God. And that can also lead to hyperpigmentation. So it's not just the sun that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Your skin is going through a lot in general. And inflammation is a big one. Even though uh, the previous article talking about how inflammation is slightly less uh, during summer compared to winter. I actually think that I, I kind of like raise my eyebrows at that because I think there's so many changes that your skin goes through and people tend to be more exposed to element during this time. Yeah. So it's definitely something to think about. Yeah. Yeah, I think the sweat study, I was like, <gasps> I also really didn't appreciate the description. So they call it sweat dermatitis. Yeah. And it says presented as dry, hyperpigmented, fissured, parchment-like skin, ah! shiny, crinkled, cellophane, paper-like ah! skin, or asymptomatic, hyperpigmented macules. Ah! Like, I could not be the most unpleasant description to my ears. Yeah, so Victoria and I went to Taiwan one time mm-hmm. during July. And never again. Never again. I Every night, I felt like I had to cut the clothes off my body. I have to tell this story. We were on our way to a meeting and it was so rough <laughs> that we actually had to dip into a coffee shop because it was only we a 10 just minute walk. it wasn't that long but yeah. we just could not we take couldn't it. Make it. It was and then, that hot. And then the worst part is because Taiwan's also they're trying to conserve energy consumption during the summer because of AC has to run so much. The AC wasn't even that strong and we were struggling. It was lukewarm at best. And oh my God, it was so tough. You know, it's hot. You haven't experienced real hotness until the wind's blowing. And you're like, can you stop? Because it's just blowing hot, humid air into my face. And the other thing too is you want, nothing sounds better than an ice cold beer, but some of those beers are lukewarm and that's as chilled as it gets. <laughs> yeah, and I do feel like my skin was extra gross when we yeah. were going through that. It's really humid time during that time. Yeah. 
and really hot. Oh my god, there's so many sports bras I had to abandon and I couldn't get it off. Well, you feel like you, you just literally <laughs> it's just like stuck to your body. Yeah. Yeah. And in Asia, those cities can yeah. come with pollutants as well. Yeah. So I really felt like I walked away three shades darker than before. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Anyways, we digress. Uh, so um, <laughs> other than sunscreening. During this time, your skin, if, if you're in, especially if you're in a pollutant heavy zone, mm. if you are in a place where you sweat a lot, vitamin C is your best mm. friend here. Um, this is all about prevention. Obviously, vitamin C, vitamin C can also work actively on hyperpigmentation, mm -hmm. but it's one of the key antioxidants to include here because it can help with everything we just described. It can help with that pollutant issue. It can help a little bit with any inflammation you might experience, won't help with the sweating, but hey. <laughs> Question. Yes. Vitamin C ascorbic acid, correct? Yes. So uh, that is the go-to recommendation. And our next meet will be all about an update on vitamin C. We, Victoria and I, were looking through our old blog posts, getting ready for the website, and we we're like, Wow, we're due for a refresher on vitamin C. And let's just say we are testing some vitamin C dupes. So yeah. we're very excited about it because it's been it's been a long time coming for us to actually start looking at so many of these dupes of CE Ferulic. And is there one that might be better? I don't know. I feel like Laura and I already have a couple losers, actually. Oh yeah, actually those are those are easier <laughs> to spot are... the winners yeah. for sure. <laughs> Some not looking so good. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and we know that a lot of you have questions on vitamin C derivatives. Yeah. I did find a very interesting study done by Revision Skincare. Okay, and this one was done specifically during summer. Ah, ballsy. Yeah, so I find not many be... not many brands are willing to do that because summer months you don't get as good results. A hundred percent. And um, a lot of times you send these people home from the clinical testing site with their products, with a sunscreen that says, please use. Mm -hmm. And we can tell you from personal experience in our past experience, there are people that I think are <laughs> liars when it comes to sunscreen <laughs> application. Because there are people that clearly come back looking like they just so, went to the beach. Yeah. But you, you found them and when they started the clinical, they were like Fitzpatrick 2, and they come back looking like Fitzpatrick 4.5. And they're red, and the pigmentation is worse, and you're like, that is definitely not because of my product. Yeah, you went to Key West, and you know it. <laughs> you went to Cancun, you liar. <laughs> so, yeah, ballsy that I did this. Yeah. Um, they ran the study for 12 weeks, mm -hmm. from July to, July to September, and... They sent them home with their 30% THD ascorbate um, vitamin C serum. We should say it is an open label study. Yeah. yeah. So everyone knows what product they're using. And they also use, uh, gave them a SPF 45 mineral sunscreen. Mm -hmm. And I find this interesting because the vitamin C was used twice daily. Mm -hmm. um, very, very high level. Mm -hmm. uh, and the sunscreen very. instruction was use it at least once a day, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> And th this is a very small study. There's only 10 people. Mm, but what I find interesting that is... That is tiny. That is very tiny. Yes. So they looked at hyperpigmentation specifically. Mm. And what I really want to highlight here is 70% of the subjects showed an improvement. Mm. Uh, and the average improvement was 33%. And the range is from 10 to 55 by end of study. Okay. Uh, three subjects out of 10 did not see improvement. So... Um, this study 
three subjects out of ten it's kind of rough yeah and i think that's why like small studies to us is like directionally mildly interesting yes. but it's hard to have firm takeaways totally so to me the first takeaway is expectation right 30 percent thd twice daily is very very high totally and even then you're not seeing a ton of improvement um, yeah i would say even the 10 percent improvement to me is like i can tell you that a 10 percent improvement is not going to be visually very exciting for yeah. you yeah you have to understand when they take these images and sometimes they mark the improvement sometimes the imaging is like even it's actually even more accurate than our own eyeballs mm -hmm. in assessment so that's why you know it's that's why gloria says like even at the 10 percent mark you would you would be almost thinking like i think my eyes are playing tricks on yeah me. like oh yeah i think Maybe. that's lighter it might be a lighting thing yeah but it might be better yeah um so yeah and to me that's just to say that if you're doing if you're using say uh, a more typical 15% C for rule type formula once a day during the day and you're like this is not working for me you're not seeing improvement is your skin holding steady state because yes. if that's um that's kind of the goal during summer i would say yeah. for hyperpigmentation totally and i also think this is a good representation of just hyperpigmentation mm -hmm. and how like that's it's that is just how stubborn the skin mm -hmm. concern is and so to hear that three subjects didn't see any improvement is not surprising to us at all yeah yeah so yeah i think that kind of sums up this episode yeah. uh whether you tweak up your routine for uh, between different seasons yeah. is entirely up to you up to your skin condition uh, i hope it was interesting to see that there are statistical differences between your skin uh between the seasons yeah um but yeah yeah i i, I did want to you know do a quick sum up of everything products maybe you don't have to worry about cleansers mm -hmm. um, your uh what else i think really cleansers probably the main one moisturizers is probably where you could do some minor tweaking just to mm -hmm. lighten it up a little bit um and then in terms of actives we i think of all actives if we had to pick one that you must have during summer it would definitely be the vitamin c yes um out of any of these guys um so yeah Otherwise, stay the course for the most yeah. part and definitely sunscreen. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Yay! Where can they find us, Victoria? <laughs> <laughs> you can find us uh, on our Instagram at chemist.confessions. You can also write to us at info at chemistconfessions.com where we actually answer most of your skincare questions. And also, if you have a skincare question that from this episode, please add it to the comment section of this video. We are on TikTok. Our handle is Chemist Confessions, but we do not respond there. So do not ask us questions. <laughs> but otherwise, um, we hope you enjoy this podcast. We will see you guys next time. And next time is going to be about body. Yeah, that was such the rage during COVID yeah. and even now with new products. Yeah, a lot of people have been asking, so it's time. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.